Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we come home with Spider-Man, get goosebumps from Man-Thing, meet the new Hawkeye, and start a new journey with Descender. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello, everybody. Your ears do not deceive you. The Hekiat Comics Podcast is back on the air. The man could not keep us down. They tried, but... The, the, the Man-Thing possibly could. Oh, I mean, for sure. We, we, cannot, we cannot defend ourselves from the Man-Thing. No, no. No, but uh, you, you, dear listener, can't uh, defend your earlobes... Earlobes? Your ears from, from us, your hosts. I'm David. That's Nick. Nick, before we dive into things... I want to ask you, what is your relationship like with your neighbors? Is it a is it a it's a fine relationship? Uh, everyone in my building either uh, gets along and uh, seems to like each other, or we completely just ignore the fact that we exist um, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's also pretty quiet. We have mm-hmm. um, like a uh, either like an older couple and then like a, a family. Um, and then other people just, uh, if anything, and no one's ever complained to us, we're probably the loudest ones. Mm. But by that, I mean, we're still not that loud. So, mm-hmm. um, I have a pretty good experience with, with my building. Well, that's, 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 that's real. That's bully for you, Nick. Uh, I, however, am here to officially submit my neighbors, uh, for the worst neighbors of 2016. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm counting both sides of, of my uh, uh, my apartment because, uh, because in the last week, both of them have, uh, have woken me up or kept me up at, uh, around one to two in the morning with loud blaring music. Now look, one of the guys, one of the guys I want to give a little bit of a pass to because, uh, because he was, he was getting some action and, uh, <laughs> And, you know, they, they had the music on for, you know, for mood, uh, maybe to, to hide the sounds of, of the beast with two backs or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever reasons they had for putting the music on, you know, he has a roommate, they, they, good, good for him. His roommate was out of town. So, you know, good for, good for him for taking advantage of the situation, uh, and, but then they proceeded to keep playing the music at full volume when when things were over, and then talk at full volume uh, at at about one in the morning or one thirty at this point. But they were receptive to me hitting the wall. They seemed to understand. Oh, hey, that's that music's loud. Let's turn that down. But not not a couple days later, my neighbors on the other side, uh, who are undergrads at at the college uh, and where where I live must have just finished finals and they're like hey guys we're done with classes uh let's be just gigantic loud assholes and celebrate and you know bully for them 
Uh, but I feel less pity. Uh, so they they were they were fairly loud the same night that I beat the last guardian, but that did not stop my tears from freely flowing. Uh, I was still able to enjoy that impactful impactful emotional moment. I just have a visual of you just banging on the wall, but you're crying at the same time. Trico now! Trico now! That's that's not not far off. Uh, however, uh, you know, I was able to to fall asleep despite their their talking. You know, talking's not too terribly disruptive. It's annoying, but it's fine. Until one mm. thirty in the morning, when when the music starts now. Now the guy who was who was you know uh, testing testing his bed uh, with the aid of a friend, uh, they you know they had the music up loud enough where I could hear the beat, but I couldn't really make out what was going on as far as lyrics go. And it was it was in the room right next to where we were. These guys were downstairs, uh, and I could hear the beat and lyrics of this song. So I go down. That's and I terrible. It's horrible and they're like i don't want to say singing they're yelling along and so i go downstairs and i start like banging on the wall to be like hey guys it's a monday uh at this point it's tuesday at two in the morning please please stop uh, i do this three times and and nothing happens so i have because the music was super loud yeah so i have to at two in the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, repeat this. At two in the morning, I have to get clothing on and go outside my house. I have to go into the elements where bears are. Two a.m. is prime bear time, and I have to go out there and I have to knock on their door and be like, "Guys, come on, come on." No, I'm sure I was, I was much, much angrier and just the people are trying to sleep. Uh, I know that their neighbors on the other side have a kid. I'm surprised they weren't complaining at this point. And the guy like immediately retreats back and he's like, oh yeah, I'll tell him to turn it off. Um, yeah, I, 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 either he didn't deliver the message or they didn't care because they didn't. And I had to proceed to knocking on the wall for several more minutes before the music finally turned down enough that I was able to get a little bit of sleep. And I just, I, I know all of you out there are listening. Why is he telling this story? Why is he torturing us with it? Because I want you to share in my pain. Oh, the life that I, and you know, really this is, it's dumb stuff to complain about, but man, do I hate those guys. I hate them. I, I think it, it sounds like you need a soapbox. You might need therapy. No, this is, um, this which, is good. I got it all out here. Yeah, which, you know, I, I did go, I did get a bachelor's in psychology. So, so I mean, like, that's basically this, you know, I'm basically a certified psychologist. Uh, so um, go ahead, analyze me real quick. Go ahead, give me the, give me the lowdown. Definitely mother issues. Mm, interesting. I, I think, I, I think that your mother went to a lot of heavy metal concerts while you were in the womb. And mm, so there's mm -hmm, something about the mm -hmm. fact that you were trapped in that bubble while hearing all these loud, disruptive, angry noises outside. Mm. Uh, and you never forgave her. Mm -hmm. But, it, <laughs> wow, that, that was weird. Um, but in all seriousness, like, I'm definitely a stickler when it comes to um, – the, the neighbors, you know, I'd rather be the worst neighbor. And frankly, I think I'm a great neighbor, but, um, at our old apartment, like we had a, a young, a young family, quote unquote, above us with two kids that just stop, 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 stop. And it was 
so frustrating. But I remember the day, uh, like, they moved in. I hadn't met them yet. I didn't know they were kids. It just felt like it was constant stomping, stomping, stomping. And finally, I was like, and I go up there, and they open the door, and it's and, and like their two kids run up next to them. And I'm like, oh crap, it's kids. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's, don't worry about it. And I walk <laughs> back downstairs, and I'm like, I guess it's okay. But then we had a neighbor who had like a surround sound system in his apartment, and like this is like an old crappy building in Lowell, like Lowell, Mass. Like, um, like it's not like it was the world's greatest apartment and had like super insulation for buffing sound. And he basically put them on the wall. All these little, and I know this because one of the times I went down and was scared for my life because this guy was terrifying, trying to tell him to please turn it down. I could see that he had this whole speaker set up on the wall that divided between our living room and our bedroom. So it didn't really matter what room we were in. If he wanted to watch freaking The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. we heard it in all its glory. So we're actually at a point where we're, we're looking to get a one bed like right now we're in a two bedroom we're looking to get a one bedroom in our like complex area uh-huh. um and i would if like i get the if I, i'm like viewing the apartment and i feel like i can hear the neighbors being super loud or something around me i would probably say no no i'm gonna wait because like it's it's big enough for me that like i don't want to have to deal with that we speaking for both of us shouldn't have to deal with that and while your your neighbors are like just shitty college kids like for me, there is a line, and when people cross it, I get super bent out of shape. Yeah, and look, look, I'm, I understand. If it's a Friday or Saturday, you know, you're gonna have people over. You're gonna be a little crazy. You're like, I'm, I can sleep in on those days. I'm willing to be a little more lenient. When it's a Monday, though, leading into a Tuesday, like, come, come on, guys, come on. And we were just so spoiled. We've been here for like four years uh, that we had, you know, neighbors who were like med students. And, uh, and people of that nature, professionals or, you know, in grad school. So they kept pretty regular hours. They were tired from being adults. And then now I got to deal with, got to deal with the children. I will say though, also, I, you know, that neighbor, uh, the first neighbor who, um, I'm running out of euphemisms here at this point, uh, because I haven't slept in like five days. Uh, you know, he, he also provides us with the sweet, sweet sounds of saxophone, and he's pretty good at it. So, like, that guy, you know, I, I was railing on pretty hard, uh, not not as hard as he was railing, uh, but I was railing pretty hard on, on the noise they were making, uh, and, you know, but he, he provides me with those sweet, sweet Kenny Jean tones, so... Uh... <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know where I'm going at this point. You know, I, we, let's just go ahead and jump right into the news. Oh, I should probably turn this up or else it's going to be super low. Our top story today. The Greek Jamboni, eccentric human cannonball known for taking his lucky donkey to all his performances, escaped near tragedy today when the donkey climbed into the cannon muzzle just as Jamboni was taking off. It took the surgeons three hours to remove Jamboni's head from his ass. Well, thank you everyone who stuck out the emotional journey so far that has been this episode. Uh... <laughs> As, as we decide now to... Oh, do not start autoplaying. Okay, we're good. Uh, we are going to now talk about some news. And starting off, uh, Marvel... Well, 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 not Marvel, but uh, Telltale has announced that they are making a... Is this not Telltale? Telltale. You wrote Telltale, but it is Telltale. Yeah. Look, look, man. Move past it. You're, you're, you're tired, man. You, you take a nap. Let me, well, I'll I wrote, take that, it over I wrote that like four days ago. Telltale is making a game. Telltale. 
uh, I don't even care anymore, based on Marvel's <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy coming 2017. Uh, though people might be aware of of this game company uh, for the the Walking Dead game, the recent Batman game. Uh, well, I mean, there's game been a lot of Thrones, Batman. Right? So, yeah, Game, game of Thrones. Uh, Fables, Wolf Among Us. So they're 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 on the pop culture properties. Uh, they haven't seen anything really uh, about this series, except for a little bit of you know they they do seem to be going with the tone of the movie. Obviously, uh, we haven't seen any pictures or video footage yet. Uh, but Nick, your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy getting put in a game like for those who are unaware, uh, Telltale makes games. Telltale. I don't care anymore. Uh, they make games where you're you're basically watching cutscenes for a little while. You get to walk around a little bit, but you pretty much the the point of that is to pick up items and uh, and look at them or either add them to your inventory. And then to talk to people and occasionally make selections of dialogue. So how do you feel Guardians of the Galaxy fits into that? I haven't played a Telltale game myself, so uh, I don't have strong feelings. I do enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not, I mean, like I like some of the original, com like by original comics, I mean like the, the comics that inspired the movie to a certain extent. Um you know the, the movie is is good fun. I feel like for that property, I probably would have preferred something a bit more action oriented. You know, uh, action adventure type game. But um, a lot the Telltale games seem to be very very popular to people, and, and maybe it'll inspire me to check out some of the current offerings to see if I can get into them. Is it kind of like um, I think you had started playing it too? The uh, Life is Strange. Mm. Yeah, that's... I know that one has like uh, has like certain mechanics, like the, t the the controlling time and stuff. But is it really just sort of like more of it's a narrative game? It's really more mm. about playing with the narrative. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. These are these are narrative games, and they have sort they do have some action sequences, but those kind of break down to uh, to quick time events where mm. you're you're pressing buttons at the at the correct time when prompted on screen. Uh, and, and Nick, if, in case you didn't know, right now on on PS4, Life is Strange is like three dollars for the whole thing. And he is freezing up, which is great. So I'm gonna put the show on hold. Can for... you hear me? Oh, there you are. Okay, I don't have to put can the you... show on hold. You can't hear me. I can hear you. Are we good? We're good. Okay, that's All weird. Right. Yep, that's, that's good. All right. Um, so, I mean, overall, it's like it's a cool announcement. It's fun because really, besides the movie and, I mean, toys, there there really wasn't any other cross-media Guardians of the Galaxy stuff coming out of the first movie. Of course, they've got the second one coming up now next year, so it's good that that will probably more than likely coincide with it. Mm -hmm. um, but hopefully it opens the door for other Guardians of the Galaxy properties down the road. I mean, I, I feel like besides some, like, mobile phone offerings, I would love some, like, truly taken seriously like a good budget put behind them like solid marvel action games we've got the the new spider-man game coming up so i know that's on the dock and it looks like they're putting their full force behind that fingers crossed and not to say that guardians of the galaxy isn't full force but um it would be nice to get a diverse slate of like proper marvel console games so yeah, yeah. gone are the days of crappy console games based on movie properties uh, yeah. it, but the fact that Marvel has been very light on video games has has been a little bit surprising. I guess we did get the announcement of Marvel versus Capcom Infinity, 
uh, which yeah. is not in our new slate. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if we still don't know, I, 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 as far as I know, if X-Men characters are going to be in that, uh, even though they are stable. I that they weren't. That they were not. It was going to be more centered around like current Marvel movie properties. Right. Yeah, like Ant-Man's just... going to be in there. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It'll be interesting to see how Ant-Man works out in the game. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that when we hear more. Nick, what else is going on? Well, this is another older story because we've obviously been late, but the Cable ongoing wait, creative wait, We're team... late? Who's the father? <laughs> uh, the father, or fathers in this case, are James Robinson as the writer and Carlos Pacheco. Or Pacheco. What? Good save. Continue. Thank you. <laughs> As the artist, um, are the creative team for the new Cable book. Uh, the story direction was also announced, and I believe this was paraphrased from the actual elements, but this series will be Cable on a race against time to fix time. The reason Ugh. Cable must take on this quest will reveal itself as the story mystery unfolds, but he's doing it for the sake of the Marvel Universe, which will fall apart if he doesn't take action. So, what can we derive from that? Not a whole lot. Do you enjoy Cable as a character? Then you might be excited by this news. Um, for what it's worth, I I, I do I, I Cable's one of those characters that I I I've uh, there's been a few volumes of his book uh, probably over the last ten years that I've actually read and like his concept intrigues me. If sometimes I think he looks and like his sort of his his overall nature is really silly, but the idea of like you know him being born in the present being taken to the future but then coming back to the present as an old man you know like some weird old veteran warrior god man you know is is just kind of creative crazy fun um a lot of his books tend to tie up around time travel which makes sense um it's kind of a shtick this, this is a shtick which i mean what you know why why divert from that too much at the same time, like, there's not necessarily enough here yet to get me excited. James Robinson is kind of a writer that I'm hit or miss with on his work, though I do really enjoy Carlos Pacheco. Um, Carlos Pacheco, please come here and tell me if I'm saying your name wrong. But um, the, the high concept is very light. A man on a mission against time to fix time. You know, and, like, it will reveal itself, and then maybe it'll be an interesting story, but... You know, I honestly obviously want too much of it revealed to me, but it, the, it's a very light, high concept. And with Marvel, I feel like when they well, – not, I can't generalize Marvel completely, but sometimes I feel like you get these stories where, like, they're up against plot, just like a plot device, and it, 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 it loses character moments. But this is all me obviously speculating, and I can't say for sure. So mm-hmm. when we know more – you will probably not know more because we'll forget the follow-up on the story. But yeah, if yeah. we do remember, then we will tell you about it. Mm-hmm. it I, I'm not super familiar with Cable, so I probably won't be checking this out. I know there are people that are and are very excited. Uh, I hope that it is everything that you want a Cable story to be. Reading like the little plot announcement, it seems that they are going with a plot that anybody who's vaguely aware of what cable is all about will understand. So that's probably good. Cause it means like, Hey, with my limited cable knowledge, I can still jump on this story and I'm sure there will be three or four pages of, uh, of exposition bubbles floating around cables head while he's doing, you know, the, the beginnings of the story. 
Uh, it seems so. Apparently, sorry, it helps if I read the article. I'm yeah, terrible. You haven't done that. Uh, apparently, it, it does expand on it a little bit, and I'll just read this bit real quick. Uh, this is, I believe, this is a quote from Robinson. He says, "This series, while not throwing out any of Cable's past, will focus on him as a character for new readers as well as old ones. The villain is a new character, simply named Conquest. He's a technocrat." from a future where he's worked out how to manipulate the butterfly effect of times past to make his reality perfect for his wants, Robinson said. That ripple effect has changed the present. Cable has to stop Conquest. Conquest has no intention of being stopped and intends to use all that history has to offer in terms of warriors and villains to stop Cable at each stop our hero makes in time. Does this sound similar to Doctor Who? Being not, Doctor Who, not something that I've really watched, but... The idea that this villain's going to use history and people from history against the main time-hopping hero. Um, I, I feel like I've heard of plots like that in time travel before. It doesn't sound super... I mean, I'm sure there are Doctor Who stories that have done that. I am not super current on my Doctor Who watching. So mm-hmm. I'm, I bet there's people out there who are listening right now who are like, well, uh, they did it in this episode and this episode and this series of Doctor Who. Uh, because that's how I imagine all of our uh, listeners talk when they address us. Is uh, You know, I don't really enjoy the way that David doesn't seem to know anything about comics and that Nick seems to know way too much about comics. That is a real <laughs> issue for balance. Uh, devs, <laughs> devs, please fix in the next patch. They also have no concept of reality and believe that we are a simulation. Which, are they correct? Tune in next week to not find out. Also going on in the news, we got our first official trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming. Without revealing much of the plot, we see that the Vulture seems to be terrorizing New York, and Spider-Man, uh, I was going to say Spider-Man played by Peter Parker, Spider-Man slash Peter Parker played by Tom Holland, is spending his days trying to balance school life and superhero life uh, while finding ways to be taken seriously by Tony Stark. That's just kind of the general impression I got from the trailer. It it does seem like this is going to be a very popular representation of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I, I particularly enjoyed the scene in the beginning where you have guys robbing the bank and then Spider-Man shows up and handles them uh, with his little bits of quips flying around. And then he does some cool stuff, but I really appreciate that moment that he had after, where he's like, "Whoa, I I just I, I did that. I can't believe I just stopped bad guys," because I feel like no Spider-Man movie has really dealt with the with a teenage superhero dealing with realizing he's a superhero and doing superhero things and being like, "How cool is this?" We How got, cool or crazy or scary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a taste of that in Civil War. Uh, but I, I've, I've yet to actually feel in any of the movies that Peter Parker's ever been in over his head. Mm-hmm. And that's like a feeling that I, I think we're going to get out of this movie. Uh, there, there's a scene where he's holding a ship together. And I know that that's reminiscent of Spider-Man 2 where Spider-Man is stopping uh, the, the, the runaway train, uh, which is still a great sequence. I, I, that just feels so much bigger though. And, and it's going to, I, we don't know why it happened yet, but I, I just, I, I get the sense that we're going to feel with Peter 
that I'm not equipped to handle this, but I have to handle this. And this is all speculation. I do like the the John Hughesian feel of it all. The that they are going with a uh, a, a teenage. Like not not a teenage drama in the sense that this is specifically for teenagers, but the we even Spider-Man One quickly moves him out of high school uh, and on to college. Spider-Man or the Amazing Spider-Man film had the first one takes place in high school, but it didn't have like a huge effect on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one, it seems like it's going to be very important. Nick, your thoughts yep. on the trailer and what we got to see. Very, very similar. Um, you know, I did enjoy what we got of Tom Holland in Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, he's one of many Spider-Men at this point. Um, but I'm still partial to the Japanese Mecha Spider-Man. But oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. But, you know, uh, I, I hope, you know, I think Tom Holland can fill those shoes. Uh, I do like, you know, a lot of people seem to like, and I get that, I think, I think the general consensus is that Spider-Man High School is very, very popular, and maybe in large part due to um, the Ultimate Spider-Man comics and and the cart- current slate of cartoons. Um, I've always, I mean, when I came into Spider-Man, you know, this is my personal bias being projected on. He was already an adult. He was already married. You know, so for me, it was like he was this guy, like this this quote. I mean, he's not an average guy; he's a freaking genius. But you know, he was this normal guy with like you know that went from being a teenage superhero to an adult superhero and i like the fact that he kind of you know like there's like there's really a hero's journey there on in a macro sense so a lot of these times we keep going back and revisiting and revisiting and revisiting peter parker as a as a high schooler i, I mean in this case this is the first time that they're really zeroing in on that in the movie but i would enjoy you know seeing spider-man move beyond that as well mm-hmm. again i don't i'm not even really talking about the trailer at this point the trailer was good vulture looks for vulture he actually looks really cool i don't think anyone expected that we were going to get classic like 1960s vulture oh but like i hope bald man in a <laughs> in a onesie i'm still um, i'm still so... holding out for a reveal that it's really john malkovich in that suit because john malkovich <laughs> would make an amazing vulture wasn't he in line to play Vulture for Spider-Man Four before it was? I think so. Um, yeah. Trashed? Yeah. I think I think he was. Which would have been cool. Um, and I definitely think John Malkovich probably would have worked better for like a Sam Raimi, uh, Raimi uh, Spider-Man than mm-hmm. than what we're getting here. Um, I mean, as far as the movie goes, I haven't seen anything from John Watts, the director, so I really don't know how his style is going to come through. But ultimately, the I mean, the the trailer makes the movie look good, so I'm. I'm planning on seeing it no matter what, and uh, I'm hopeful that it ends up being an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little I'm a little on the fence about how much Iron Man we saw. I'm hoping that his role in the film is very very minimal, and that they're putting it here in the trailer uh, to to just reiterate to people this is part of the mcu and also to get people excited to be like oh wait wait that's tony stark this is part of those films that are really popular and that i tend to enjoy Mm -hmm. Uh, i I don't love seeing iron man in the film necessarily i guess at this point i'm gonna need context for it but i i would prefer personally for this just to be a straight-up spider-man movie doing spider-man things I yeah. do appreciate the the line of dialogue that we kind of got of Tony Stark being like, "This isn't you know this whatever's going on with this vulture thing is not not for you to handle." 
because there's so many threats in the MCU that I'm like, other superheroes should be involved in this, in the solo movies, and they never are. And I, I, I appreciate the recognition that, hey, in these solo films, there's still other heroes who are equipped, and maybe we'll finally get one where it makes sense for them to do it solo for whatever reason. Or, or I mean, I think the matter is that, you know, Tony Stark is going to be, quote-unquote, handling the situation, but Peter's going to end up in the right place at the right time and mm-hmm. ultimately be the first responder to take care of Vulture in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like... I can see where you're coming from, but being this is the first Spider-Man where we get to show, you know, other Mar- you know, other Marvel heroes in in the same universe in the same movie. Uh, maybe like we're Iron Man out at this point, like we've seen him everywhere. He obviously makes the most sense based on their relationship in Civil War. It would be cool to have seen maybe other heroes, um, but I think it works. It will most likely work for what they're trying to achieve, which is chances are his role is probably fairly minimal. There's mm-hmm. like a check-in with Iron Man. Those swings fly off together, and maybe he'll come back in at the end, as like in the, in the the aftermath of the big battle, and be like, "You did good, kid. You did good." Um, who is who is this Tony Stark? That like is it like the mask gonna come up and he's gonna have like a cigar? Like, good job, kid. Good you're, job, and here's a pack of cigarettes. You really did. Um, you did stop that carrion bird. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Spider-Man: Homecoming looks cool. Uh, they totally put Gonky from Miles yeah, Morales to Spider-Man in there, but it's not Gonky. Uh, one of my favorite comments that I read on Reddit was because there's a scene where he has the Lego, uh, Lego Death Star, and then he drops mm-hmm. it and it shatters. And someone commented on Reddit that half the film's budget went to the cost of the Lego Death Star. <laughs> because those things are expensive. Well, we got a couple more news stories to kind of round things out. We'll go through them a little quicker here. Uh, one of them being that R.L. Stein is going to be writing Man-Thing for Marvel. Uh, Nick, give us... He's going to be tackling Marvel's Man-Thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Nick, give us the quick rundown <laughs> on who is Man-Thing. Man-Thing is sort of the Marvel equivalent of Swamp Thing, DC Swamp Thing. Uh, I think Man-Thing actually came first just by a bit. Well, I think um, that I, from, from what I heard recently, the two guys who created them were like roommates and totally ripped each other off on it. Are oh, you... I mean, we'd have to go... That might be something to be... You know what? Sometimes on the show we should like investigate like interesting comic book history and talk about it on the show. I, Maybe I this agree. will be one of them. I agree. Are we gonna we're gonna investigate this now? No, right, I'm just pulling it up as a reminder. Um, okay. So Man Thing is like a swamp monster who resides in a swamp that is the nexus of all realities. Um, so he's kind of like a gatekeeper of sorts. Um, by the way, everybody. By the way, everybody. This is where Howard the Duck came from. Yes, Howard the Duck debuted out of Man Thing. Um, out of, never mind. Um, Stop it! Stop it! Oh God, the laughs are coming. Um, I don't know that. So I unfortunately we didn't tag an, uh, an actual news link to this, so I don't have. Oh, the sorry. Details I, I have a, well, I thought you were just going to tell us a little bit uh, on Man Thing. I'll throw you. I'll throw a link in there for you. That's basically it. Man Thing is a swamp monster that resides in the nexus point of all realities, no. and he guards it. And there's like weird stuff that happens. And Arnold no. Stein's a weird dude that writes weird books, and he's writing a weird character for Marvel. So here's here's another thing about Man Thing that seems to be very important for some people is that Man Thing can't talk. 
however, in this new story, uh, attempting to recreate, so here's here's from the article, and I think from the press release that came as well, attempting to recreate the formula that produced Captain America, biochemist Ted Salas was transformed into the shambling creature known as Man-Thing. Uh, now, having recently regained his ability to speak, Man-Thing sets out on a journey to leave the swamps once and for all. But when an ancient and mysterious danger threatens reality, he will have he will have to choose between his new life and the place he once called home. Neat. This is obviously the elevator pitch for it. I know some people are very upset about the whole man man thing getting ready or being able to speak again. But guys, we can't. You know, in order for characters to continue being relevant and interesting, we have to make changes, and we can't just have them be what they were for all times. Uh, in that situation, we end up with the sad things that happened to the Fantastic Four. Uh, cool, cool beans. R.L. Stein will probably get a lot of people to read this. I am curious about it because I do enjoy R.L. Stein, and I have to, I have to give this to Marvel that they're doing some cool things, getting non-comic book writers to come in and and write some comics. You know, you had a uh, Tanahisi Coates as uh, over there with. Black Panther, you have you have uh, the the person who is writing Mockingbird, whose name I can't remember. Uh, Chelsea Kane. Yeah, Chelsea Kane. This is a, this is something I, I want to see more and more happening in the big two is writers who are who have a a pedigree about them coming in and telling stories in this this medium they may not be super familiar with or known for. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that would be an interesting discussion question in the future. I'll have to write this one down where we pick a writer that we both in, or that we enjoy and what superhero we would want to see them take on. That, that could be, be cool. That yeah. could be future, though. Good discussion. And, Things uh, to get people to come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I think we have another discussion episode coming up in a week or two, so that could potentially be the, the, the question. Uh, and our last news story real quick is that Hanna-Barbera and DC Comics will cross over in 2017. Uh, those Hanna-Barbera comics have been very popular and in some cases very good, which I think surprises some people. Flintstones I have not read, but I hear is really, really good. Uh, I've been enjoying Future Quest and Scooby Apocalypse. Real quick, here are the books that we will be seeing. Adam Strange and Future Quest, uh, Booster Gold and the Flintstones. Green Lantern and Space Ghost, and last but not least and most confusing, Suicide Squad and the Banana Splits. Some of these are current books, some of them are characters that have appeared in other ones. These are all listed as annuals, so it seems like it'll be uh, one-shots, but they should prove to be pretty fun. I'm really curious about Green Lantern and Space Ghost, though. That is a really cool team-up that I had not thought of before. It uh, it works, yeah. It is real neat. Well, Nick, unless you have any any other news you want to pop on me right now, we will continue on into the pull list to talk about some comics. You've been um, you know, you've been dealing with a lot this episode, David. I don't want to give you anything more than you can truly handle. Well, I appreciate that. To the Batmobile, well, let's go. 
Nick, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Katie, Katie Hawkeye? All right. Well, Kate Hawk, or what? P. Diddy, as her friends call her. What? Kate Bishop? Kate... Well, Kate Bishop, yeah. I don't know. Um, I Because I can't say Hawkeye without saying Hawk guy or hot guy. And, <laughs> you know, Kate is a lot of things, but she is not a hot guy. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to call her Kate Hawk, or just Kate for short. Um, so there's been a few since Matt Fraction and David Aya's um, Hawkeye book with Clint, you know, Clint being sort of the bumbling hero taking over responsibly for protecting a uh, rundown tenement building and uh, Kate Bishop being his sort of his um, wise beyond her years, doesn't know what to do with him sidekick. Um, they've more of us been co-stars over the last couple of volumes. And while uh, Clint has gone off to occupy Avengers um, and has hit the road, for hard-traveling heroes. Uh, I think he's pulling a Hal Jordan here. Um, you know, uh, Kate actually gets spun off in I, what I believe is her very first, quote-unquote, ongoing series. Uh, and it's brought to us by Kate Leth, uh, Leonardo Romero, and Jordi Belair. Um, Jordi Belair, you robot you. It's the only explanation. <laughs> Um, so the, the brief synopsis is that Kate Bishop returns to the West Coast. For those that don't know, uh, she basically goes to feels like she goes to the West Coast every volume of Hawkeye, <laughs> and true. she's back at it again to set up shop as a superhero slash PI in Venice, California. And her first case is investigating an online bully who is harassing a popular blogger. Um, but of course, not is all it seems. Mm. I want to start off with just like literally, I, I op- I'm like. Oh, oh my God! I keep saying Kate Leth, and it is not Kate Leth, and I am so sorry. It is Kelly Thompson. Oh my wow, God! I don't where know did how Kate I got even them come confused. From? That that I am, you know, that that was bad of me. Thankfully, you're the only person today that I've talked texted about this, and I hadn't actually publicized it until now. Uh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, so anyway, this book is brought to us by Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, and Jordi Belair. Um, and when I first opened this book, I'm like, I get to the first page, and I'm like, oh, this art is really good. Is this Chris Samney? Like, Chris Samney, for you, for those that don't know, is that he's currently working on the, the Black Widow book. He was just on Daredevil in the previous volume. Uh, he's got a great... Uh, I, it's kind of like that boardroom where it's like it's technically a cartoony style, but it, like his characters are realistic in a way. Uh, and this guy is basically the love child between Chris Sammy and to, uh, Tony Ton, Tonji Zonjic. I'm probably butchering that person's name. Um, anyway, I was just taking it back. Like, well, first up, I don't know if I was expecting the art to be good enough. I never read the preview or anything, but I'm like, I'm okay with someone that resembles Chris Sammy's art style. Um, and his, the storytelling chops too of, uh, Leonardo, um, you know, he, he has some creative, some creative things with pointing out little details or like zooming in, like there's a scene where she's looking through a camera, um, zooming in to follow one of her marks. And so like you have, uh, a page, um, a full page width panel, but most of it's in black. And then there's another inset panel on there where you get with a zoomed in shot that she's looking at. So it's little storytelling quirks like that that aren't like overly whimsical or like weird, but that that definitely show like this guy has some cool storytelling chops and just overall the style is very good. So 
best part of the book by far is um, Romero's artwork. Like, this is a guy that I'm going to have to follow now. Um, that being said, the writing is not shabby either. <laughs> not Kate Leth. Kelly Thompson um, does a good job of sort of establishing her new status quo, introducing us to both, like, her, what kind of brings her there, her initial, uh, you know, her initial case. Like, you actually get quite a bit in this book for what I, that didn't count, but it was probably about the average 20 pages of a comic these days. Like I said, you get, you get, she gets her new bases established, you meet some supporting characters, um, and you get the, the you get a, a, the conflict and a tease of bigger things to come. Um, and it was honestly a surprisingly pleasant, enjoyable read. Um, I would say if you're not a fan of some of the changes Marvel has made over the last several years, as far as like the Marvel now and the all new, all different era and traditional heroes being replaced or de-emphasized for the sake of like newer, younger, possibly not white, possibly also female, uh, characters, you might not like this book. It definitely plays into the best of, as far as Fraction Asha during sort of the, the, the bumbling hero on the street. Um, you know, and you've got like a rip from the headlines plot and a supporting cast of colorful alt progressive types. Um, it's by the end of the day, it's just a fun book. So if you like fun or what I feel is, is fun, then you would probably enjoy the antics of Kate Bishop in California. Uh, it looks like minor spoilers that the main threat is going to be from, um, Madame Mosque who she's had some run-ins in previous Hawkeye volumes. Um, There's just a scene at the end where it's like a, what was it? It was like her mask. Yeah. Some, some of the, um, it looks like Madame, uh, Madame, Madame masks mask. Uh, And then when you see the cover for the next issue, you see a guy actually wearing what looks like a Madame mask mask. So I'm getting this vibe that it's showing that like she's influenced. She probably has her own gang now. Uh, in uh, Venice, California. Um, but yeah, it feels like Marvel's kind of got a, a slew of PI books. Like Spider Woman is currently a PI book. You've got Jessica Jones is back as a PI. Uh, and now we've got um, Kate Bishop. Maybe I keep saying Kate Bishop and I was like, oh, Kate Lith is writing Kate Bishop. I, I just, I'm trying to justify myself. I have no hope. Um, but yeah, so if you enjoy. Uh, young female archers setting out on their own to establish their own sort of entrepreneurial business uh, and you enjoy private investigator books mixed with superhero antics check out hawk eye number one as part of the new marvel now initiative very cool um of course we know that i hate female superheroes especially female teenage superheroes so this book is obviously not for me now i i am curious about this one um I wasn't a big fan of how in love with Kate Bishop. Uh, uh, I can't. Matt Fraction seemed to be in in the Hawkeye book when I was really enjoying more so what was going on with the 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 Clint storyline. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll see when this one, when this one shows up on uh, Marvel Unlimited. I will definitely be sure to check it out. And and maybe report here. My thought, who am I kidding? No, I won't. Uh, but I definitely will read it. It it seems super cool, super neat. I like everything that you're telling me. So yeah, I just you know, Dave, the, our listeners can't see it, but just kind of look at some of the art. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm into it. You I'm know what I mean? It. Like, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. It's good. And you've got a great cover by, and oh my God, come on, come on. By Kate West. Because Julian Totino Tedesco, who feel I feel like he's mostly, I want to say he's done some interiors for Marvel, but he does a lot of cover work for them. And he does, he does excellent, you know, and somewhat, well, this isn't necessarily interpretive. It's a pretty tame cover for him. But he's mm-hmm. kind of... In a, I sometimes associate him with a similar vein as Mike Del Mundo, who does a lot of great covers for Marvel and is currently drawing the interiors on the new Avengers book. Um, not new Avengers, like the new new Avengers. It's just a new non-new event. Never yeah, mind. That makes um, my head hurt. The, the cover looks really cool. David, Neat. tell us about the book that you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, so I still left here in the show notes uh, uh, Motor Crush, which I was planning on still talking about until I read... Descender number 17 today. I do want to briefly touch on Motor Crush before moving on. It is a very interesting book with a lot of really cool concepts. It's one of those uh, books where it's set in a world where the particular sport the main character participates in is the most popular sport in the world and everybody is super interested in it, uh, which is super tropey but kind of fun. Uh, it's, it's a good book with some flaws. It's written and tackled by the uh, the Batgirl team, so people who aren't aware of it should definitely go check that out. My biggest qualm with it, though, and I feel like this is kind of happening with a number of uh, of image number ones, is they establish this really big crazy thing, uh, like this really big dangerous crazy thing, and then by the end of the first issue, it's already happening. Uh, in 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 the way of this, I'll say that there is a, a drug that has to be taken in a specific way. Uh, and if you take it directly, it blows your head up. And that is a Do pretty... you take it correctly? You take it directly. Directly. Like, like it's, a, it's a liquid. You have to take it in a certain way. But if you, if you drink the liquid itself, it will make your head explode. And then by the... And we're shown that as a punishment for someone. Then by the end of the first issue, the main character is drinking it. Which I thought, hey, cool, you guys set up a really, really cool like Chekhov's gun sort of situation and then pulled the trigger immediately. And I get they're probably wanting to generate buzz and get people talking about this, mm. but that just feels like something that... And I haven't read the second issue, so I don't know how they're going to proceed forward, but I think they could have done other dramatic things before immediately jumping on that one. But that's not what I'm here to talk about this week. What I'm here to talk about this week is Descender 17. We haven't talked about Descender in a while. I think the last one I talked about was the beginning of this last arc. Uh, So Volume 3 came out today as well, which is the last arc. I was a little iffy on the concept of it. Each issue was mostly backstory for one particular character plus like a page or two of where they currently were and it ended up being a very interesting arc giving us some really cool looks into some of these characters uh in ways that you probably wouldn't expect this one picks up you know directly following the events of of that one that were so pretty much after the events of the second volume, to be to be really honest, but the third volume does have its have some very strong merits. Uh, it was a it was a good time for some flashbacks. Now this one, the reason that I feel like I have to talk about it is because the format of it is so interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, Nick, did, uh, I'm assuming you haven't read this or seen it. Oh, Descender? No, yeah. I'm I'm. 
don't even remember where I left off. So each each issue or each uh, sorry each page is three panels. It's three mm -hmm. uh, long panels uh, going horizontally, and it's it starts off. It starts off in one order in the beginning, and then it switches a couple pages in, and then stays that way for the rest of the book. And this is this is how the book is, save for one page, is three panels, and for mm -hmm. most of that book, you're following three different storylines at the exact same time, and it's the same three mm -hmm. storylines in the same three orders uh, of the of the page. And after the first couple of pages, it is completely silent there is no dialogue uh there are simply actions one of them is the two tim bots uh tim 21 who is our main hero is trying to escape the wrath of tim 22 who wants to kill him because he seems to be more special and have a lot more attention than him or he's, he's just jealous of the attention that he's getting uh this, mm -hmm. the second storyline is andy and effie who are uh, let me let me find her her name as she has to go now. Queen Between. She's a cyborg cult leader. Uh, it is the two of them having sex. Is that storyline? And then the last one is uh, Doctor Quan and Captain uh, Captain Telsa mm -hmm. uh, escaping their imprisonment from the robots and trying to find Tim Twenty One and escape. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that you come to a Jeff Lemire book for. You know, I think this is this is really, really well done storytelling, really captivating. Uh, it's allowing uh, Dustin Nguyen's art to really shine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'm just, I'm very impressed with the way that they put this together. Also, I think I mentioned in like the first time we talked about Descender uh, in issue one, it's been like two years at this point uh, that it was weird to see creepy horror monsters in a in Dustin Nguyen art style, and a Dustin Nguyen art style sex scene was also. A, it took me a moment to be like, okay, this is what's happening. Uh, <laughs> there's no like, there's no nudity, but it's still, you know, it it still pushes a little bit the boundaries of what you would see in in, in a, like a PG thirteen movie. Mm-hmm. Um, still that being said, it's very, it's a very emotional scene and, uh, and very intimate and also does a really good job of progressing these two characters stories in, in, a, in their relationship in a very interesting way. Uh, if you, I, I if you want to know what their story is all about, go read the last arc of Descender and they will tell you all about it. Um, I'm very excited for this new arc that has been set up uh the, i don't i don't want to spoil fully how this issue ends for people who may not have caught it yet uh i'm very curious about tim 21 in this new arc though it seems like this is going to be a time of growth for him mm -hmm. uh i don't i don't know how long jeff lemire and dustin Nguyen have this whole story planned out for it feels like we're going to start kind of kind of making some big leaps and bounds pretty soon here on the initial promise of the book at least i'm hoping mm. so uh it's it's definitely it's definitely a book that is high up on my read list each week uh when i you know when i when i get my when i get my poll not each week but each month when i get my poll and i see descender in there uh 
it's it's hopped right back up into I gotta read this in the first couple of issues. I'm glad that I caught up recently and really really gave the third arc a, a you know a good try because I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. And volume mm. volume four uh, is just seems seems like it's gonna be even better. So Jeff Lemire, Dustin yeah. Nguyen, Descender number seventeen. I have so apparently I left off with issue. The last issue I read was number seven, and from oh, then man. on, I there was a sale in Comixology, so I have like eight to fifteen. And you inspired me to download them on my phone <laughs> so I can read them when I have breaks. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're really gonna enjoy uh, volume three, the one with all the backstories. There's some real great stuff and some real sad stuff in there. We get, you know, we get the backstories on the the robot pet, the robot dog, whose name I'm forgetting until right. Bandit, that one is real sad. And then the backstory on Driller, because Driller is a real killer, and you find out why Driller calls himself a real killer. And Ooh. it's it's a little heartbreaking that story. Uh, it, it's kind of one of these times where the robot stories are sadder than the human stories, but the human stories are still very compelling. We find out, you know, what Andy's been up to in in the decade that's gone on, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we learn about Captain Telsa's past and Queen Between Effie's past. Uh, and those are those are very interesting stories. I don't want to make it seem like the robots outshine. Well, I guess Captain Telsa's not a human. She's a blue-skinned humanoid woman. All I know is that Captain Kirk would sleep with her. That's I don't remember what her race is, but it's it's on Captain Kirk's to-do list. Ha! Huh? See what I did that to-do list. Ah, <laughs> oh, we have fun. Oh god, you're hopeless. I really am. Oh. Well, we are running uh, short on time here, so we will just transition now into our recommendations where we ha- you know we ask ourselves a question each week to find out if we have recommendations for you and that is you boys aren't nerds are you because we totally are Nick do you have a recommendation ready to go or do I have to stall for you I'm gonna take that as I have to stall for you uh have fun, David. All right. So my recommendation this week is uh, is the Marvel or the Image Man, not Marvel. <laughs> the Image Firsts uh, compendiums. So there's Volume One and Volume Two, and I'm sure there will be a Volume Three out at some point. But it is uh, nine uh, nine. Each one is nine issues of Image Creator Own series. Uh, and that is only five ninety nine. Each one's only five ninety nine. So for six bucks, you're getting the first issue of in that in that first volume, uh, witches, outcasts, nail biters, southern bastards, the fade out, the wicked and the divine, low, uh, shudder, and cowl. And in the second volume, uh, you're getting other great stuff. I'm not going to sit here and just list what's in them, uh, but we talk a lot about uh, a lot of image series on here. And we always encourage people to check them out. So if you haven't had the chance yet, uh, this is a really good way to kind of dive into a number of them at once. Or if you're mm-hmm. looking for something new to read, this is also a great way to get get a sampling of these series, figure out which ones uh, appeal to you, and 
then you can go get the first volume or jump into where things currently are and probably be super confused. Uh, but yeah, image, image first compendiums volumes one and two are out. They're only $6 and you're going to find something that you like. Nick, what nice. do you have to tell people about? Nothing. Nothing. I was looking for a recommendation because, uh, to be fair, the only thing that I've completed really in the past couple of weeks uh, is Final Fantasy 15. That's fine. Hey, remember, um, we've we've moved things out of that doesn't have to no, be comics. I know. I know it's not just has to be comic. It can be like pop culture stuff. Uh, I know that when the game first came out, I think we did an episode. I think that was the last episode we did, and then we went radio silent. Oh, boy. That game may have been partially why. Um, it's consumed most of my free time uh, not involving using the bathroom or sleeping. Oh, boy. Um, um, and about 60 hours later, I or just a little under 60 hours later, uh, worth of game time, I have completed it. And... I, I recommend it because if you enjoy action games, specifically action games with a certain level of depth, in this case, like with an RPG element, uh, and you like big open worlds, um, then you will enjoy the first six to eight chapters of the game. Uh, and I'm not going to go into any story details because I know David is still playing it and working his way to the end. Story-wise... Uh, I have a lot of conflicted feelings because I think a really great story is in there. Um, but I think that, uh, and I think this is mostly comes down to time constraints and budget constraints. I feels like certain things were cut, like certain character motivations don't make any sense and suddenly they change. Um, or like you feel like you should care more about a particular person, but then you don't. And then they, you know, they vanish or whatever. Um, uh, so I feel like the game unfortunately suffered in the story department, but I mean, just overall, it's such a pleasure to play, you know, warts and all the, the, the gameplay mechanics are top notch. The open world is breathtaking to look at for me. I've never been like a, like a, I don't typically play big open world games. So the fact that it kind of gave me an found fantasy is a, a series I love. And it gave me that entry point. I was, surprisingly okay running around and doing your typical standard fetch quests and um you know hunts and all that uh i just i enjoy just being with the bros the choco bros um <laughs> and having a good time so uh if you get a chance and you enjoy final fantasy or you enjoy action rpgs and exploring big open worlds and driving a car um and having things not make sense then you will enjoy final fantasy 15 uh, there will be some updates over the next several, you know, probably six months to a year with like some um, uh, extra, like they're going to update the story in some places or there'll be individual episodes for some of the supporting characters. Um, so not only will you be playing the game as it is now, but you'll have an opportunity to enjoy some of the expansion material going on over the next year or so. Uh, and it's it's definitely worth checking out. So please support the game and and uh, purchase Final Fantasy 15 for PS4 or Xbox One. Very cool. Uh, did 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 you know that the artist on Copperhead changed, and that the it's not dead? I knew it wasn't dead, but you just impressed me with finding out that the artist is gone. Yeah. So did that just get announced? No, it got announced back in June on Twitter. No, 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 no way. Yeah, dude. 
Uh, okay, so I'm, I just I, I was looking up Copperhead a little bit, and I came across uh, Jay Fairbur's Twitter, and uh, pinned June twenty third. Just gonna leave this here. Uh, Drew Moss is taking over interior art on Copperhead, and no! Scott 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 Godoleski will take over. Will will keep doing the covers, uh, but that's. They and they said they will solicit the arc when it's done. So I guess it's not finished, but that that's uh, where Copperhead's at. If people are interested, I swear I've checked checked it sometime between. Well, Nick, apparently you haven't. Apparently, your crazy town banana cakes. You need to tweet back, and that's. Hmm. Drew Moss taking over interior on carpet. Yeah, man, I'm not. Oh man, I mean, I haven't looked at Drew Moss's artwork yet, so I don't know what I think about it. But I mean, and not to say that the like the writing or anything wasn't great on that. Yeah, it it does come as a surprise uh, for us. Obviously, we're having some technical difficulties here at the end of the episode, but that is okay. Uh, hey, this means though that we're getting more Copperhead, so I'm sure we're going to be talking about that when it comes out. But for right now, I'm going to go ahead and end the show. So thank you everybody for listening. You can of course head on over to heckyacomics.com to get more information about our show and us, and you can email us at any time at heckyacomics at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter yourselves at heckyacomics you can also find me around the internet uh, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram under the name DavLuz I'm also on Geek Cinema Society from Blazing Caribou Network and several episodes of the Brokebot Mountain podcast, a fan cast about the HBO series Westworld over on Blazing Caribou Network you can find Nick trapped in uh, a Skype lag and attempting to escape that but first he must uh get the sword of destiny and slay the dragon will he do it you will have to tune in next week same heck yeah time same heck yeah channel until then goodbye Ever.